Hey, it's Zaki. In this episode, we wanted to seek out a voice from the Israeli Arab community. So we sat down with Fatima Amer, university student and longtime resident of the village of Kfar Qasim. We discussed what life in Israel is like for an Arab Israeli and got insight into the nature and history of her town. You're listening to Israel Underground. Although Israel is made up of many demographics, life here is often characterized by cultural isolation. Most Jews grow up not meeting many Arabs, and vice versa. Although major cities like Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, or Haifa have both Jewish and Arab populations, most towns, settlements, and municipalities are separated by their national and racial identity, Jewish or Arab. Some Arab towns are mostly Muslim or mostly Christian, some a mix. Arab and Jewish children attend separate schools and are taught in different languages. Their families shop in different markets and attend separate clinics. And although people from neighboring towns sometimes meet at the overlapping beaches or shops, the interactions are minimal. Whether any given person feels prejudiced to other demographics due to the ongoing conflict or not, their ability to meet people from other communities is inherently limited. Municipal lines that make one area Arab and another Jewish extend to social ones. So whether or not different communities hate or love each other, it's often more the idea of each other rather than the people themselves that they're hating or loving. Like most of my Jewish peers, as a Jewish-Israeli immigrant, I hadn't met an Arab-Israeli, aside from maybe at the grocery store, until university. University in Israel is one of the few places that is totally integrated. But with 20-plus years of no interaction, where do I even begin? Today, we're taking one small step towards bridging that gap by learning about each other. We wanted to hear from an Arab-Israeli about her life here, especially the parts of it those of us who are Jews don't get to see for ourselves. We sat down with my peer Fatima Amer, who I met while I was in Bar-Ilan University, through a program called Interfaith Encounter Association. Interfaith is a student-led group of Jews, Muslims, and Christians who gather about once a month to share and learn about each other's faiths and practices. For me, this was the first time I really got to know someone from a different faith, only to find out that we were practically neighbors. I was living in a suburb of Tel Aviv, and she was living, you know, 20 kilometers east of Tel Aviv. Fatima kindly agreed to sit with us today and tell us about her town and her life in Israel. She grew up and lives in a town called Kfar Qasim, which is near Tel Aviv, and has a population of over 20,000 people. Fatima, thank you so much for joining us. Now, first things first, could you please tell us who are you, what do you do, and where are you from? Well, salam. Hi, everybody. Well, I'm Fatima Amr, and I'm Muslim. I'm 22 years old, and I was raised and born in a town called Kfar Qasim which is located in the center of Israel. And I'm currently finishing up my, um, my bachelor's studies at Bar-Ilan University. And next month, I'll be starting my master's degree at Tel Aviv University. Oh, that's awesome. What are you studying? Um, I'll be doing uh, public health in emergency and disaster management. Oh, wow. So this is uh, the perfect um, time to be you know, working on that and, yeah. and studying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you mentioned you're from uh, Kfar Qasim. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Just give me an idea of what it's like there. What you know? Tell me more about Kfar Qasim. Well, I'll try to be a brief about it. But uh, Kfar Qasim, it's a one of a one of a kind town. My town is, uh, you know, like I said before, it's in the center of Israel, which makes it economically valuable. And um, another thing that is important about my town is uh, religion. It's really important because um, this is, in my town, 
it's where the Islamic movement was established by Sheikh Abdullah Nibar Darwish, who passed away actually three years ago. Um, the, Islam, the Islamic movement is um, developed and into many things. And part of it is what you see now in the Knesset. They are a member of the Knesset, if you heard of, the, of them, the Islamic movement. They're also like through the Islamic movement, established the, the Islamic uh, Relief Committee. That's what it is in, uh, in literally translation into English is uh, Islamic Relief Committee. It helps orphans, those in need. And basically if there's a tragedy either in here or you know, in other countries, uh, like recently what happened in Beirut, Lebanon, or like Sudan, uh, or like Syria, they'll be the first one to help. There is another thing that was, that was established through the Islamic movement you know, later on. Uh, in Arabic, we call, we call them the Hirasi, which in English translates to the guards. Basically, they are men from my town. They maintain the safety of our town. And if there's a problem or if there's a problem between two families or two people, they'll be the first one to, you know, to solve that and um, to, get, to keep everyone safe. And um, they also, like from once in a while, they will like, um, like they, will host a, they will host a camp especially for the youth, where they go around the town. They, um, if there is something that needs to be fixed, they fix it. They clean the streets. They plant flowers and trees. And um, if anyone needs help, they, they help. Um, so that's briefly what is Kfar Qasim. It's, uh, I'm really proud of my town. What I love the most about it is if someone needs help, the whole town will come together to help them. Like, they will stand side by side and they will help you. That's really amazing. It sounds like a, like a very tight community-based uh, uh, lifestyle. There. Yeah, that's how it is with Arabs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, so yeah. so there, you're saying there's a lot of importance on religion, so much so that you have these, um, I guess, uh, auxiliary um, uh, groups yeah, that are like... Yeah, from the Islamic movements, yeah. Yeah, that are, that are even helping with the, you know, run the community itself. So that's, that's uh, really cool. So what, what, uh, tell me a little bit more about, you know, that perspective. So tell me about the youth and, and kind of what are the um, kind of interests of the community? Like, what kind of efforts are they putting forward to help that next generation to succeed um, and to, you know, live successful lives? They emphasize they emphasize on on education and religion, uh, the right the right path of religion, the right path of Islam, um, because it's you know it was tells us certain laws and principles that you need to follow, and they're like um, you know like respecting others, respecting your elders, helping others, uh, doing charity, and all these things. What we want is from our for our for our community is to 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 help them to live fulfilled lives. Yeah, to to help the community to uh, to give back to the community to do good. That's what we want. Okay, that's fantastic. That's that's so lovely. I'd really like to hear more about how Farkasim is this kind of like the original point of Islam in Israel. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's actually true. Like the Islam movement start in. Um, and then they, they, you know, it, it became bigger and bigger till we actually reached, you know, it became a political movement and entered the Knesset. You know, it's a member, they are members in the Knesset now. Um, when the Islamic movement established, they, um, they, they made certain to, you know, to go to our neighbor, neighbor towns and to pursue the message of Islam there, to pursue, to raise awareness for people, to raise awareness about education. Education is really important either for, for my religion and for 
for us as a community. They went around the, the Arab towns and in Israel to raise awareness more about that. And um, they built a kindergarten for, for, you know, for kids. They built a kindergarten and they uh, basically planted flowers in it and painted the walls and everything. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Super interesting to hear. You you mentioned that, you know, there's this this large emphasis on, you know, community and that that is an Arab foundation for building a community, right? That togetherness and that closeness. Um, do you identify as Israeli? Uh yeah. Yeah, we live um we live in I have an Israeli citizenship. I'm Arab living in Israel holding the Israeli citizenship, going and following, following the, you know, the Israeli government rules and laws. Yeah, I am Israeli, Israeli Arab. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there a certain like weight? And again, I'm, I'm coming from a perspective of ignorance for sure. But like, is there a weight behind like, even how you express that like Arab Israeli versus Israeli Arab? Or is that splitting hairs? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same thing. No, Israeli, Arab, Arab, Israeli. <laughs> that's okay. Pretty cool. sure, I'm pretty sure that's the same thing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Do you feel like there's enough accommodation for English or Arabic speakers in and around the country? This is coming from, yes, I live in Israel. Yes, I'm, I live, uh, you know, amongst Jews and Arab, but I, I still don't know Hebrew that well. That's why I'm studying in English. That's why I'm doing the international program. That's why I'm, that's why, I don't know, for some reason, my English is, you know, is better than my Hebrew. But uh, like I said, having good English is also good because uh, it's an international language. In Israel, you go around, you can manage with with speaking English. Um, if I go to the mall and I want something I didn't know, like if I didn't know how to say it in Hebrew, I would just I would just start speaking in English, and they would and they would understand me. And if I like the university, basically almost everyone knows English at the university, so it's. Um, to me, I guess I, I, I'm managing. <laughs> it's working out for me in some, some way. So once you began university, um, was that your kind of initial foray out of the uh, tight, tightly knit Arab community and into more of the, I guess, diverse Israel experience? Yeah, for sure. Like I did learn many things when I, you know, came to the university. And, um, and I was actually excited and, you know, happy to... Uh, excited to uh, expose everything, expose what I am, you know, coming from podcast and exposing Islam, um, the way I see it, the way I follow it, uh, to these the, these people, you know, in the university. Yeah, so that's why when we started the course, everybody everybody was excited because they they also like wanted to learn more about Islam, about Arabs, about. Uh, about Arabs living, living here in, in Israel. They want to see that, that perspective, you know? Um, and I feel like I got to show them that, you know, through my experiences, through my, through my, my town, through my family, through my religion. And it was a mutual because I got to learn so many other things, you know, from them. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And I, and I really, you know, my, obviously my experience in, in the interfaith program uh, reflects that. And it was so fascinating and, and interesting to hear from you and interface with you, which is obviously why we, we thought to, to have you on. Um, so, you know, all of the, I guess the goal of the interfaith thing that we, that we went through, and also, I guess the goal of this conversation is to kind of speak with you and ask you kind of about the idea of learning about each other. You know, there's so many different kinds of people here. And so I think there's so much value in learning from each other. But I wanted to ask you about 
um, the idea of coexistence and, you know, all of the different kinds of people working together, living together. Can you kind of talk to me about your perspective on coexistence within Israel? Yeah, for sure. Well, the way I see what I believe in in life is um, I believe in humans. And a big part of religion is, um, is uh, you know, respecting others, um, mutual respect, respecting others and learning about others. Um, and uh, in Islam and Judaism specifically, they're really similar to each other. And through this course, we got to learn that, that we have more similarities than our differences, that we are, that we are the same thing. And through that, we can, we can work we can work into mutual agreement or like a mutual um, respect to uh, live in peace amongst each other here in Israel. You got to, you got to see, you know, different, different things, but, but at the end you feel like you're a family because um, you got to learn, you got to know more about each other. And um, like I said, we do have like our similarities far exceeds our differences. We are the same at the end. To me, even though like even though like um, you know I was raised and born under the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I was um, all these you know the harsh reality that you know that I was exposed to in terms of you know the massacre that happened in my town or in the, like I said the, the the conflict. But I'm not gonna let that you know stop stop on my way. Um, I have I have like certain rules and principles that I'm that I follow and and um, and I believe that I that I can make a change that I can start a change for a better future for myself and for the you know for the better for the next generation for the youth for the youth and uh, and I want to do that through through um, studying you know the master degree I'm doing master in public health and emergency and disaster management. Um, through you know because i want i was looking for something that concerns humanitarian aid i want to help like what i want like my i feel like my purpose in life is helping others and you know giving back to the community as as yes everything that happened here you know the conflict from the conflict to the massacre to everything yes all these negative negative things happen but i'm not gonna let that stop me or like um influence me like badly influence me but I'm going to take that and, and I'm going to turn it into something, you know, better as in uh, for the community, um, for a better future, for, like I said, for helping others uh, doing good. Beautiful answer. I really think that, you know, it's kind of interesting to draw a similarity between, you know, you spoke about having this such a tight knit community and such a supportive community. And it really seems like you're taking those fundamental values and really kind of widening it to this. Um, I don't know, nationwide or even global community um, with your with your interests and with your degree and, and with the work that you're doing. I think that that's really fantastic. So one of the things that we spoke about before the interview was uh, Kfar Qasim, and it has a kind of a, a controversial history, I guess you could call it, um, mainly that you mentioned that it is known for a famous massacre, uh, which you just mentioned. So what's the story there? Okay, so also I'll keep it briefly. Um, the massacre happened in 29th of October, 1956. It was Monday, and the Israeli military announced like a curfew in my town. 
the mayor of the town at the time, he said, he told the, the Israeli army, what about those who are working? They, they don't know about the curfew. Um, they said, uh, it's fine, don't worry about it. We'll, we're going to take care of it. We can, we're going to take care of them. And when they came back, when they came back from work, they, of course, they, they, they didn't know about the curfew as there's no, there's no ways of you know, communication at that time. Uh, they came back from work and um, they didn't have cars back then, but there was like a big trucks, you know, that used to take the people um, to work. Um, when the first uh, car or truck came, came on to the town, uh, the Israeli soldiers, uh, army, they stopped them. They told them to get down and they shot them. And um, they, what, what, what they used to do is uh, shoot. They, they did like, they shoot, shot them twice. So they, so they don't say they won't have any witnesses and they like to make sure everybody, everybody is dead. Um, after they did that, they moved on forward so they can stop the next, uh, you know, car coming with people. So they, so they won't see the, you know, the, uh, the people who they shot before. So they won't see them and run away. Uh, they did that and they shot around, um, at the end, they shot 49, 49 individuals from children to women, even pregnant one, um, elders and men. Um, at the end of the day, there were like 49. And I always say that um, if a miracle didn't happen that day, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys because my, my grandfather from my father's side, he was uh, in the massacre. He, a miracle happened because he, he survived the two shots. It didn't, not one bit touched him, didn't even scratch him. He, he survived and after three days he came back home because he was you know, hiding in the tree and it was a long story for him. And um, he came back home to my grandmother and um, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. Wow, that is yeah. really, uh, really tragic. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously so, so fantastic that your grandfather made it through that. Um, so how does that history affect the culture or the community of your town? Well, um, if you come to my town, you'll, you'll find there is a memorial in, in the center of my town where, where the massacre happened. Um, every year, every year we, there is a memorial, there is a ceremony for those who passed away, those who were killed. Um, and there is a saying we always say, in this uh, ceremony um, is uh, we, we, were, we will never forget and we will never forgive because you know those, those, those people were killed in, in, uh, in cold blood and um, wonders like uh, just like uh, we will never forget this because, you know, it affected everybody, yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That's uh, definitely, a, you know, very heavy, heavy material. Um, but, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, you expressing that. I, I guess to kind of combine 
two ideas that we've spoken about so far and you know not to like uh i guess spring the question on you but like how does that um that saying of we will never forgive how does that combine or kind of um make amends with the i your belief specifically on you know this coexistence this global community to in order to move forward in life you have to um you have to embrace everything that happened to you and um you have to recognize these things like if i if i just um ignored that this happened I can't even live with, my, with, with myself or my, my, I can't even live with myself because like I said, if a miracle didn't happen that day, I wouldn't be here. Like I literally wouldn't be here talking to you. So you can't, yes, yes, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm all for peace and all doing uh, good and helping others. And, and I am, I'm actually recognize like you have to recognize this in order to, in order for this to never, you know, happen again you know it won't affect others like how it affected us because if you go around my town every family you will see like uh they they uh someone was shot from their house or like someone who were you know who was in the massacre who was a who, who was a survivor um yes we're all for you know you know moving forward but while moving forward you can't you can't you can't forget the past you can't you can't um you you, you can't forget what happened and and you, you have to, you know, uh, always remember these things and remember these things so you can move forward and so you can um, make a better future so you see so this won't happen again. Okay, that's very well put. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think we're, we're coming close to an end here, but I wanted to ask if there are any, you know, last things that you'd like to share with our listeners about your experience as an Arab Israeli. I don't know, but like if, like I said, like I feel like I'm lucky in some ways. Yes, all these things happened to me, or yes, all these things happened in my town or to my family, but in some way it made me stronger. Like if all these things didn't happen, I wouldn't be what I am today. Like, you know, my beliefs, my character, my personality, and everything I believe in, in some way, like it made me who I am today to, to make me to, you know, to want to make a change, to want to make a, to make a change for a better future, for a better place for our community, for every, for everyone living here in Israel. Hearing about the town of Kfar Qasim, their stories, their ideals, and the makeup of their community has been so enriching, helping us gain a fuller understanding of the life and stories of all the people in Israel. Thanks so much for listening. We are excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or voices that you'd like to hear, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash Israel underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki farber Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.